You're listening to Politics Weekly. To uh, be big underdogs uh, in the race uh, for the uh, the presidency. One of them is uh, joining me today. We can survive all those systems. What's going to happen if you legalize it completely? Politics Weekly is a podcast on politics, news, and principles. everyone welcome back to politics weekly uh we're here for the 75th episode so we have another round table uh first of all we're here uh with omar Yacobi. he's the uh he is the founder of political window uh and he also uh has been a guest on the show since episode one omar thank you for joining me and we also have my father here today uh, who has also been a campaign a, a campaign manager for multiple gubernatorial and presidential candidates. Uh, so thank you for joining me as well, too. Happy to be here, Nolan. All right. So uh, before we get started, Omar, you want to talk a little about so you want to talk a little bit about a political window just for people that are new to the podcast. Sure. Uh, Political Window is a news aggregation feed that I run on Facebook and Twitter that pulls from all sorts of wonderful sources to say, hey, here's what's going on in the world and the world of politics as well. All right. Well, with that being said, let's jump right into the news. So the first news is regarding the results of the South Carolina primary and the results of the Super Tuesday primary. Uh, The South Carolina, both appear to be favorable uh, as of this this moment for former Vice President Joe Biden. Um, uh, On Super Tuesday, Biden handily won by nearly 20 points. Um, And on Super Tuesday, uh, Biden also had a strong showing, winning the vast uh, majority uh, of states on that night. However, Bernie Sanders did win the biggest prize of the night in California, although Biden did walk home with the majority uh, of states, even upsetting in uh, some states that he wasn't expected to win in, including Minnesota, Maine, Oklahoma, and Massachusetts. Um, We'll start with you, Omar. What were your thoughts on the Super Tuesday in South Carolina results? surprised that the final voting results diverged so much from the polling that we were seeing before the contest. Uh, it, it makes sense to me that Biden would win because uh, it's, you know, he had a, a strong support from the African-American community, and I think they were uh, most interested in electability, the same choice, who will be able to beat Trump in November. Uh, but yeah, it, normally uh, election results don't diverge so far from the polling like that in my experience, so I, I what was behind that late surge. All right. Well, I think that's an interesting point. Uh, But we have seen in the last years, we've seen sporadic polling. And and I think that uh, with with technology, uh, I I think I've spoken to a few pollsters, and I know with the loss of landlines and and, uh, cell phones, it's made some polling more difficult. 
But but also, I, I, if you go and you look at some questions, there's some push pulling going on. I just I just I've, I've seen uh, the 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 polls be a little more uneven and and um, as of late. So I, I I agree with you that they were they're off kilter, but uh, but I, I think we're seeing more and more of that. All right, Do you want to respond to that quickly, Oliver? Interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I personally I don't know uh, how much it is the, uh, the technology involved in pulling mm-hmm. or the technology of the voting stations themselves, because I did see an article on election security in South Carolina. Uh, although, if someone were hacking the election, I'm not sure why they would pick Biden because everything had been <laughs> so it may just be those technologies. Yeah. All right, well, uh, let's move on from that then. Uh, so the next story uh, involves uh, a lot of the dropouts this week, multiple dropouts uh, within this week. Uh, for starters, on Saturday, following Biden's decisive win in South Carolina, businessman Tom Steyer announced that he would be dropping out from the 2020 presidential election. The very next day, former South Bend Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg also said that he had made the, quote, tough decision uh, to uh, end his candidacy because, according to him, he wanted to unify the party. Uh, The next day, uh, Amy Klobuchar, uh, senator from Minnesota, uh, announced that she uh, would be dropping out as well. Uh, Both Buttigieg and uh, Klobuchar uh, endorsed uh, Biden's campaign, as did former Texas congressman and former presidential candidate Beto O'Rourke uh, just before the Super Tuesday primaries. And after a devastating defeat on Super Tuesday, former New York City Mayor Mike Bloomberg uh, also announced he would uh, he would drop out on Wednesday. And just today, as of the uh, as of the day we're recording. Uh, uh, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren has also announced that she will uh, end her candidacy. Uh, we'll start with you, Dad. What did uh, what, what did you think about these sporadic dropouts this week? Well, it was obviously it was going to happen after Super Tuesday. I guess for me, the biggest surprise dropout was Mike Bloomberg, uh, because Mike had said for a long time that he would not get in unless he thought that Biden could not win. And then when he found out, when he believed that Biden could not win, he got in and then then dropped out right away. Uh, That was a surprise for me. He has endorsed uh, Joe Biden and has said that he will dedicate his his many resources to to that case. And I can tell you, traveling around, I have seen little campaign offices of Bloomberg in places you never would have thought before. And will spend is enormous. All right, Omar, what are your thoughts? So, yeah, on that point, I think one of the takeaways is that I think we learned that billionaires can't just buy elections. Uh, who you are as a politician and, and your arguments matter too. Uh, so, that restores some of my faith in our democracy. Uh, I, I think the big push to get the moderates to drop up came from the fact that. People realized that by splitting the moderate vote, it was putting Sanders at the front of the pack. And I think that was there was some effort to consolidate there ahead of Super Tuesday so that uh, you know, Biden especially could benefit from that extra support. And it looks like he did. Uh, 
uh, Warren, I'm actually encouraged to hear that she's dropping out as well. So I think we now have a very clear choice for voters uh, to consolidate the rest of these races. And, uh, you know, the most delegates will go to the candidate that speaks most to their concerns. All right. Do you want to respond to that real quick? No, I think that's absolutely accurate. That's a very good assessment. And I think that, um, I think you're, 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 you're right about billionaires uh, uh, not being able to buy elections, although that accusation was certainly thrown at both Steyer and, and Bloomberg uh, <laughs> quite, quite, quite a bit. Uh, but uh, that looks as though a billionaire is, is not rejected by his money, uh, so a billionaire may play a very, very big role in, in selecting the next president. All right, well, let's move on to the next story. So, uh, Super Tuesday, the presidential race, obviously a big deal, but it's not the only uh, primary that happened. Um, in Alabama, uh, the critical race uh, uh, for Doug Jones, uh, Doug Jones would like to keep his seat. Uh, this is expected to be one of, if not the most competitive race of the 2020 election, uh, election season in the Senate. Um, and uh, and it's one that could very well determine control of the United States Senate. Um, Republicans hoping to take Doug Jones down. Uh, there was a crowded primary. Um, ultimately, however, it appears as though no Republican will go home with a majority of the vote. Um, however, uh, it seems right now the uh, out of the, the top two appear to be uh, former U.S. Attorney General and former uh, Alabama Senator Jeff Sessions. Uh, he narrowly uh, edged out uh, retired Auburn's Tiger coach Tommy Tuberville. However, the two will have to go in a runoff. Uh, Trump criticized uh, uh, on Twitter, uh, saying uh, in a tweet, uh, quote, this is what happens to someone who Loyally gets appointed Attorney General of the United States, but doesn't have the wisdom or, or courage to stare down and end the phony Russian uh, Russian witch hunt. Um, what, uh, Omar? What are your thoughts on uh, on uh, the Alabama Senate results and Trump's response to them? But as far as the results go, I don't pay a lot of attention to Alabama politics, so I can't say why what happened happened. Uh, but I am very disappointed to see that Trump jumps on this to uh, kind of burnish himself as this person who is above the law, I would say, uh, because that was why Sessions didn't hand the quote unquote completely part, was because it's his job to enforce the law and the, and the, the political process should override the individual one. Uh, so I, I am very concerned that he's joking his face against the Investigate and we live with the culture of the Clinton administration. Right. Well, well, one of the cases we faced was, was very, very funny. Was the other day there was a photograph after the primary of just, just sessions wearing a great again. So, so, like, I don't know if he's back. He's, he, you know, Trump is still bad mouthing him. And he's still wearing the baseball cap, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to think of that. Uh, all right. Uh, well, uh, let's uh, move on uh, to the next story. 
MSNBC knows Chris Matthews uh, has announced uh, that he will be retiring uh, from the network uh, and he will be retiring from his show Hardball with Chris Matthews, uh, which will be, which has been running since 1994. Um, this comes post uh, a controversy, uh, a controversial comment Matthews made about Vermont Senator and 2020 presidential candidate Bernie Sanders, uh, as well as uh, as well as post allegations of misconduct uh, in the workplace. Uh, Dad, what are your thoughts on Chris Matthews announcing his retirement? Well, I think first of all, I my my rule in politics, I think can can and I ever talk about. I I, I say don't when you're in American politics, don't bring up Hitler. Don't bring up Nazi Germany. Don't bring up the Third Reich. Americans are, are not Nazis. They don't act like Nazis. And so it was sad that Chris Matthews kind of went there. Um, I don't know if that, but Chris Matthews is a commentator. He's paid to give his opinion. I don't, I don't think that, that the comment in itself was, was ousting. It seems to me it was more. The accusations by this woman who, who said things to her that made her uncomfortable. Uh, while I appreciate, you know, a woman's, you know, woman in the workforce being subjected to male chauvinism and comments, which are inappropriate. What I read, the comments I read, I, I don't believe that should be commending uh, for Chris Matthews. All right, uh, do you want to, uh, we'll go to you now, uh, or what are your thoughts? Well, uh, my impression of him, uh, just watching him on TV lately, is that he's been getting up there in dog years. Because uh, I've been following him for a while, and, uh, you yeah, know, I, I think lately his text, his takes were less relevant. Um, they were putting people off. Um, and, you know, I, I think those, um, those incidents that he had with women, I think, were just the thing that kind of, uh, I guess pushed him over the, the top there, um, and I I would say it's about time. I think it's time for new voices, um, younger voices, <laughs> uh, to you know to help help talk about where this country should go. Because I uh, you know I, the way I heard uh, the way I heard him just completely denounce socialism. You know when uh, so many young people are into it, not just because of the ideology of it, but because of the circumstances of their economic suffering. I felt that Chris was just even failing in his job as a political analyst. Uh, so I, I hope someone new can come up the ranks and, and, you know, provide a voice that people will actually want to listen to. Because, you know, to be fair, people wanted to listen to Chris for a long time. I enjoyed his show. Uh, but I think it was time for him to move on. Do you want to respond real quick? Well, I, I think that Omar's analysis is right in that his ratings haven't been for a very long time. But, you know, sadly, I'm getting to be an old voice myself. Uh, so you can put me under the bus soon. But uh, he was in, I think he worked for Jimmy Carter. I think he was in Carter, but he was in Jimmy for Carter. He, he did go back quite a ways. But he's 74. Well, with that being said, uh, let's uh, move on. Uh, so today, as of the day we're recording, 
the United States Senate has passed uh, an $8.3 billion uh, uh, coronavirus emergency bill, um, which was passed uh, in a bipartisan way. Um, the uh, the uh, Senate passed it uh, 96 to 1, um, and uh, this, uh, this comes after the House overwhelmingly passed it by a 415 margin, um, and it now goes to Donald Trump's desk, um, where he will either sign it uh, or veto it. Um, the uh, measure would provide dollars. Um, uh, towards uh, fighting coronavirus, um, and uh, uh, and it would uh, allow uh, funding for uh, five hundred million dollars over ten years uh, uh, to be uh, to uh, to go towards a new healthcare program, uh, or, or yeah, to, to a yeah, to a remote healthcare program. Uh, what uh, what are you what, uh, We'll start with uh, we'll start with Omar. What are your thoughts on uh, on this bill? I think it's just a bandaid. Um, I, I think that this virus has exposed the patchwork nature of our health system, um, and and also the lack of worker protections that I think is going to make it more likely for this virus to spread. Um, and I, I you know I, I hope this bill does some good for people. Uh, but I'll tell you, I'm living in the county with one of the first uh, cases of community spread where, you know, people didn't travel to China. They just went from somewhere in the environment. And I'm not seeing a lot of change on the ground in terms of how people are dealing with basic hygiene and uh, preventing the spread of this disease. Um, so I, I, you know, hope for the best, but uh, I, I wish we would prepare more for the worst. Absolutely. Um, you want to Well, I... I I don't see the, um, I'm, I'm hoping this doesn't uh, become what some people think it might. I, I, um, I think, you know, I'm, I'm trying to remain calm. I'm, I think a lot of people are. Uh, it's a piece of family news. I just found out my son is going to be going out to, 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 with his college, and they didn't cancel that trip. Our family, we, we also travel in New York City to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. So I'm hoping that this doesn't bloom uh, um, or become bigger. But 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 that being said, um, I think I think in some ways we we had a pretty good response so far. I I, I know, and I also think that a lot of this is now being left uh, at least. To manage to the states, and I think that's probably a good idea. The states have know what resources they have. The federal government said they don't provide resources that where the states are lacking. But I know here in New York, you know, the governor and the mayor of New York City are, are, are you know, they're allowed to test. Uh, Trump let, let them do the testing instead of having the federal government. I know there was a problem. I'm sorry. I have to take issue with that. I, I, it's not that Trump brought this up to the state. It's because he had a test for coronavirus and it was flawed. It didn't work. So I, New York had to design its own. I was, I was just about to. You're, you're, you're correct. I was just about to address the flawed test. Um, you know, you know I, I, I'm kind of more on a wait and see, see mode here. Um, I, 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 I do think, though, 
other BS that, that, that was flawed, I, I freely admit that, but I, I don't think the response has been horrible. I do, and I, I think the reason why it's been horrible is that we have a president who is completely illiterate on science. Uh, so he did not over, or he did not intervene when one of his underlings overruled CDC officials on the question of whether to bring sick Americans into our continent. When Australia had a quarantine for coronavirus, they put their citizens on Christmas Island thousands of miles away. Our president brought them near population centers in California. There are reports of workers not wearing protection. There are reports of workers traveling freely in and out of the quarantine zone. One of them put on a commercial flight. And our first cases were reported on the West Coast. And gee, I wonder why that is. Uh, and it, it was a terrible decision. I, you know, it, That may not have been what caused it, but the timing certainly suggests that it was. Because uh, we didn't have any cases of coronavirus until that quarantined uh, plane was brought here. And uh, I, I am angry at President Trump for uh, ignoring the advice of CDC officials on how to contain the spread. This is a bad movie being played out in real life. Well, in, in many, in many when, when Trump first did to the quarantine of countries on, many, many people on the left uh, accused him of racism because they didn't have the knowledge. Uh, of, of what this could potentially be. And, and so there, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of blame to go around. Uh, on, uh, I don't think there is. I, I, I care about the quarantine countries or any travel bans. Uh, airlines were really canceling as reports of the virus spread. Uh, so it took airlines a while to catch up. Uh, and there was no intervention from the government as far as I saw in terms of preventing the travel of people. You might be thinking of uh, Trump's travel ban, which was uh, for quote-unquote security purposes. Uh, but as we found out, you know, the countries that benefit from his business have been excluded from that security. Well, that's that's a topic for another day. Well, with that, uh, let's move on. So uh, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer is getting uh, some backlash uh, for recent uh, comments that he made. Uh, uh, and he uh, recently uh uh, he was, uh, uh, Chuck Schumer said the following, um, he, uh, he said, um, and this is at a rally, this is at a rally outside the Supreme Court, Schumer said, quote, you have released the whirlwind and you will, uh, pay the price. He went on to say, you will not know what hit you if you go forward, uh, with these awful decisions. Um, it was, uh. It was assumed that Chuck Schumer was referring to the uh, the current ongoing Supreme uh, uh, Court case that's being heard uh, revolving uh, controversial uh, abortion bills, uh, which are being supported by the Democratic government. Um, uh, however, Schumer uh, did uh, get some backlash for his comments, with many calling his comments threats. A threat. Uh, Chief Justice John Roberts, uh, uh, in a rare move, uh, condemned Chuck Schumer for his remarks. Uh, uh, Roberts said the following quote Justices know that criticism comes with territory, but threatening statements uh, of this sort from the highest levels of government are not only inappropriate, they are uh, they are dangerous. He goes on to say, all members of the court will continue to do their job without fear or favor in whatever quarter. Um, and Chuck Schumer uh, today uh, walked back his comments uh, a little bit 
um, saying, here, let me see if I can pull up the statement real quick. Um, uh, well, he, he was saying Christ was political uh, in terms of Republican senators. Um, and he says, here, here's, here's what Schumer said uh, in his comments. He said, quote, I should not have used the words I used yesterday. They didn't come out the way I intended them to. Uh, they intended, I intended them to, um, he said. He went on to say, my point was that there would be political consequences. Political consequences for President Trump and Republicans if the Supreme Court with the newly, elect, with the newly confirmed justices took away a woman's right to shoot. Um, and uh, he, uh, he went, although he did go on to attack some Republicans, uh, uh, quote, gross distortion and, quote, manufacturing uh, outrage. Uh, we'll start with you, Dad. Uh, what were your thoughts on it? And then we'll go to Omar. Well, I, I you know, sadly, I think there's, there's a lot of uh, a lot of language that both sides use that they shouldn't use, which would be more decorum. I did find that on the outer limits of, of some of the bad things we heard, I think he was really pushing it there. He said, it's, if you listen to it, it was certainly a threat of physical violence against Supreme Court justices. I don't think you can hear it any other way. And then he was asked twice to, to apologize, to explain his remarks, and he doubled down and he tripled down on, on that until, you know, as, as today wore on, the pressure got to him finally, and he, he I mean, his first Two opportunities to, to take walk it back, and and you know he's a New York politician, and I get that, and I've heard that all the New York politicians as well. They're tougher to break them up, some some other politicians, but it was it was really out there. Defensive strike 
um, saying, uh, 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 Colonel Sonny uh, Legit uh, said, uh, quote, Taliban leadership promised the international community they would reduce violence uh, and not increase attacks. Um, and uh, he also said that this was uh, a defensive strike uh, uh, that was aimed at disrupting Taliban fighters, uh, quote, who were actively seeking an Afghan security uh, checkpoint. Um, uh, uh, he went on to say, quote, we call on the, on the Taliban to stop needless attacks and uphold their commitments. As we have demonstrated, we will not defend our partnerships when required. Omar, what were your thoughts on that little video? Well, you know, credit where credit is due. I have to commend President Trump for reaching out to the Taliban and trying to get a peace deal. Uh, this is something that has been a sticking point for a long time. And, you know, Trump came in as someone who was going to get things done, and he's certainly trying to do that. Uh, you know, but then we saw how fragile that peace deal was, and it does remind me of how North Korea went. You know, he, he shows up in person, he uh, does all these overtures, and then we end up not getting the result we want. Um, so I, I think there might be a reason that these presidents weren't of that kind of get things done mentality, just charging in, uh, because in the long run, stuff like this does reduce the credibility of the United States. Um, so I, I hope we can get a good resolution to this. Uh, you know, voters got the change they wanted, I guess, and uh, well, we'll see what happens. All right, uh, yeah, I don't know what your thoughts. Well, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, the, the Taliban, there's very good analysis there. I mean, the, the Taliban in North Korea are, are very difficult to, um, to, to negotiate with or to, or to keep a peace. Um, and and I, I will say. Either of those entities are filled with diplomatic wizards. So, you know, it is, it is, it is very fragile, and, and, and we're paying the price on our, our, our military. All right, do you want to respond to that, uh, Omar? All right, well, uh, let's move on then to the next story. So it appears as though uh, the Supreme Court will be. Uh, uh, we'll be looking over the Affordable Care Act and to uh, uh, the legality. Um, this comes uh, after a uh, court in Texas ruled that uh, the, uh, uh, ruled that it was no longer legal and that there was no justification for it. Um, the uh, the Supreme Court has announced uh, that they will. Uh, look up, and, and, and I think they were. I, I don't know if they're gonna wait to hear the case, but they, I think they said they were going to not rule on the case or let the ruling out until after the election. But I think that's very prudent. All right, Omar, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I haven't had a chance to look into all the legal intricacies,
All right, do you want to respond to that? Good? No. No? Okay. Uh, well, uh, let's uh, move on. Um, uh, 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 let's move on to the next story. Uh, so the Hill is now reporting um, that uh, one Democrat, at least one Democratic member of Congress, uh, is uh, floating the idea uh, of uh, uh, of uh, a redistricting uh, to the uh, uh, um, of a, a redistricting in the 2022 uh, redistricting uh, when, when the redistricting uh, of congressional districts uh, happens uh, in 2022. Um, right now, um, uh, the uh, uh, let's see. Um, uh, right now it's being reported, um, that, hold on, let me see if I can pull up the official story real quick. Um, uh, according, this is come, uh, this is according to, um, pollster, uh, Frank, uh, Luntz, once, uh, uh, who is now saying that he believes uh, that the 2020 census uh, and Democrats in the state legislature could uh, redraw the state's congressional district. Um, he said the following, quote, New York is expected to lose the House seat after the 2020 census, uh, and Democrats are looking uh, to draw out uh, at AOC's district, he wrote on Twitter. Uh, he included a link to an article from New York's from uh, uh, from the City, which is a magazine in New York City, uh, that suggested that AOC or that Alexandria Ocasio Cortez is doubling down uh, on, uh, to encourage her uh, constituents to fill out the 2020 census. Um, what are your thoughts on these rumors, Omar? Campaign 
she has set up her own uh, PAC and she is funding uh, primaries. So I think I think that the matter of whether whether or not the old guard Democrats want to offer this. It's just partisanship. That's the problem. Whether it's Republican or Democrats doing that. Yeah, but this is, you're right, you're, you're absolutely right, and, and, and I don't know if you've ever seen a, a, a third state assembly district in New York on a map, but, but it is, it is sorry the way it's going All right, well, let's move on to the next story. So, uh, Hawaii Congresswoman uh, and 2020 presidential candidate Tulsi Gabbard, uh, her uh, campaign, if you remember, there was a previous story about her campaign seeking a $50 million uh, ad lawsuit uh, against Google, uh, claiming that Google was uh, infringing uh, upon uh, her, uh, her right to, uh, to free speech by suspending uh, uh, her campaign's ad account. Um, this was being sought out by Tulsi Now Inc., which was her uh, uh, which was um, her campaign, uh, one of her campaign organizations. Um, this was recently thrown away this week uh, by a California judge, U.S. District Judge Stephen Wilson, um, saying uh, that the campaign, quote, fails to state a claim that is legally sufficient to implicate the First Amendment. Um, he also says it failed to show how, quote, how Google's regulation of its own platform is in any way equivalent uh, to a governmental uh, regulation of an election. Uh, Dad, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts on this? I know that Judge had a better view of the issue. All right. Uh, Omar, what are your thoughts? Do you want to respond to that? All right. Uh, well, uh, let's move on then to the next story. Uh, so the next story is involving um, Hillary Clinton, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. Um, right now, uh, a judge has ordered uh, Hillary Clinton to sit for a sworn deposition um, and this is in relation to uh, her use of a private email server uh, during her time as Secretary of State. Uh, the ruling came from U.S. District Court Judge uh, Royce 
Lamberth. Um, he issued the order Monday um, in connection with uh, uh, the Freedom of Information Act. Um, <clears throat> um, uh, we'll start with uh, Omar on this one. Oh, uh, well, here let, let, let's go to what uh, Lamberth said first. So Lamberth said, "Quote to argue the court." Uh, now uh, has enough information to determine whether the state conducted an adequate search uh, is preposterous. Um, uh, and he was, in a, um, so uh, that's what he had to say. So we'll go to Omar now. Uh, so Omar, what are your thoughts on, uh, on the, on the deposition? Do you want to continue? Well, the, the Clintons are, are a polarizing couple, and, and, and uh, they have their enemies, and, and you know, people have access to the courts. It's, it's very, very easy to, to, to get into the courts, and, and for the most part, it should be easy to get into the courts. We want everyone to have access to justice, um, but, but there are times when people abuse it. Being a dead horse, that happens on both sides, like well, all sides, I should say. And, uh, and uh, I, I listen, the, the Clintons will be hounded uh, with lawsuits, some worthy, some frivolous, for the rest of their lives, as well. And many other political figures. All right, do you want to respond to that, Omar? <laughs> All right. Well, that just about does it in terms of the stories we have. Uh, thank you again for joining me, Dad. And thank you, Omar, for joining me again. Uh, do you want to tell people where you can be found on social media? All right. Thank you. Uh, you know, I think if you look at Joe's record and you look at my record, I don't think there's much question about who's more progressive. He's one of the most far-left candidates in the Democratic field. His unconventional ideas have given him a cult following and made him one of the front-runners in the Democratic primary. This is Bernie Sanders, and this is his story. The candidates keep America great. Their story. Yeah, you're always when you're young, you're always patted on the head and told that you're the future. But I'm interested in what you can bring to the present. And their fight for the White House. I'm the most progressive record of anybody running. If you look at Joe's record and you look at my record, 
I don't think there's much question about who's more progressive. Presidential Profiles 2020. How we could actually make this government work, not just for a thin slice at the top, but make it work for everyone else. I think that, sure, if people want to speculate, speculate about running mates, I encourage that, because I think that Joe Biden would be a great running mate as vice president. Bernard Sanders was born on the 8th of September, 1941 in Brooklyn, New York to Elias Ben Yehuda and Dolores Sanders, both immigrants from Russia and Poland. Sanders' uncle Abraham Sknutzer was killed during the Holocaust, and the events leading up to Adolf Hitler's election as Chancellor of Germany sparked Sanders' interest in politics. Sanders attended PS 197 in elementary school. His older brother Larry has said that although basic necessities like food and housing were affordable for the family, more expensive items like rugs or curtains were harder to afford. Sanders attended James Madison High School and joined the track team where he eventually became captain and took third place in a Nick Indoor race. Sanders ran for student body president in high school, but came in third place. Shortly after graduation, Sanders was faced with tragedy when his mother died at just 46 years of age. A few years later, his father died at just 57 years of age. Sanders attended Brooklyn College, and eventually the University of Chicago. At the time he became a writer, and started writing rape fetish erotica, which many have criticized him for today. Sanders quickly became a political activist in college. He joined Young People's Social League and joined the civil rights movement in the 1960s. He was even arrested at one point for his involvement. He also rallied against George Beadle's segregated housing initiative and attended Martin Luther King Jr.'s famous March on Washington. Sanders also heavily protested the Vietnam War. After graduating from college, Sanders perused different jobs like being a teacher and a carpenter. However, he decided to move to Vermont in 1968. He made what he called radical educational films for public schools in the state. Ordinary citizens feel very hopeless about the future. In Burlington, we have shown that you can stand up to the system and at least you can win some good victories. Sanders launched multiple third-party campaigns on the Liberty Union Party line. In 1972, he ran for governor of Vermont against Democrat Thomas Salmon and Republican Luther Hackett. Salmon defeated Hackett by a 53-43% margin. Sanders only received 1% of the vote. Sanders also ran for Senate that year, only getting 2% of the vote against Democrat Randolph T. Major, Jr.'s 33%, and Republican incumbent Robert Stafford's 64%. Sanders made another effort for Senate two years later, this time getting 4%, as compared to Republican Congressman Richard Mallory's 46% and Democrat Patrick Leahy's 49%. Sanders ran again for in 1976, once again seeking the Liberty Union line. He faced Republican Richard Snelling and Democratic State Treasurer Stella Hackle. Sanders did slightly better, 
receiving a better than expected 6% of the vote. However, he still came in third as Hackle received 40% of the vote, and Snelling received 53%. Sanders finally saw his big break in 1981 when he ran for mayor of Burlington, Vermont. I won the election, I think, because we effectively put together a coalition of low-income people, elderly people, who in Vermont are very often up against the world economically in very bad shape. Sanders challenged incumbent Democratic Mayor Gordon Paquette. Sanders, who had never won an election in his life, which led to many not viewing him as a serious candidate. This led to Paquette barely campaigning due to his belief that Sanders couldn't win. However, in a down-to-the-wire race, Sanders beat Paquette by just 10 votes, making him the city's 37th mayor at just 39 years of age. If I were the president of the largest bank in Burlington, I'd be real nervous about you. Well, they may be. Sanders called himself a socialist during his time as mayor, and has come under fire for statements he has made about the Soviet Union at the time. I think it's also fair to point out that when we were in Moscow, for example, I think most of the people here also were extremely impressed by their public transportation system. Sanders hosted a foreign policy speech with libertarian socialist Noam Chomsky, whom he praised. Sanders balanced the city's budget and brought a minor league baseball team, the Vermont Reds, to town. His legacy was most remembered for his Lake Champlain renovation efforts. Sanders was easily re-elected multiple times. In 1983 he defeated Democrat Judy Stephanie by 52-30% margin. He also beat Republican James Gilson who received 17% of the vote. In 1985, he faced a more serious challenger, former Democratic Lieutenant Governor of Vermont, Brian Burns as well as Independent Diane Gallagher. In spite of the challenge, Sanders won by a 56-31% margin over Burns. Gallagher received 12% of the vote. In 1987, he was elected to his final term, defeating Democrat Alderman Paul Lafayette by a 55-30% margin. In 1987, U.S. News and World Reports ranked Sanders amongst the greatest mayors in America and called Burlington one of the most livable cities. When they stood up to the bosses and the government and fought to create the unions that would provide them with decent wages and decent working conditions, freedom, dignity, the willingness to stand up against the mighty and the powerful, the human spirit, strong, resilient, alive. In 1988, Vermont's single Republican congressman Jim Jeffords announced he'd retire from his House seat to run for U.S. Senate. The vacancy gave Vermont Democrats state lawmaker Paul Querrier, whilst Republicans nominated Vermont's Lieutenant Governor Peter Smith. Sanders launched an independent run for the seat. With Querrier losing momentum, Democrats turned to Sanders. On election day, Sanders lost to Smith by a 41-37% margin. A year later, Sanders retired as Burlington's mayor to focus on a rematch in 1990. This time, 
Vermont's Democratic Party cross endorsed him. Smith's decision to support an assault weapons ban hurt him with gun-owning constituents. In 1990, Sanders beat Smith by a 56-39% margin. Sanders angered colleges on both sides of the aisle for accusing them of being bought off by lobbyists. Sanders started the Congressional Progressive Caucus, but refused to caucus with either party. He also fought for banking reform in the House. In 1992, Sanders ran for re-election. He faced Republican Tim Philbin. Democrats nominated Lewis Young. In spite of challenge from both sides, Sanders defeated Philbin by a 57-30% margin. Young only received 7% of the vote. They want to see our industry be rebuilt. That's what they want to see. No more B-2 bombers. No more Star Wars. Let's make the quality products we need. Let's invest in American industry. The Amer no, I won't yield. The American people want to see our kids educated. In 1994, Sanders faced his most formidable foe yet, Republican John Carroll. Carroll was gaining momentum in the race, and a strong Republican current in 1994 gave Sanders the fight of his life. Sanders ultimately beat Carroll, albeit by narrow 49-46% margin. This marks Sanders' narrowest congressional win to date. Sanders had more luck in 1996 when he beat Republican Susan Sweetser by a 55-32% margin. Democrat Jack Long received 9% of the vote. In 1998, he beat Republican Mark Candon by landslide 63-32% margin. He saw his biggest House victory in 2000, when he beat Republican Corin Ann Kerin by a 69-18% margin. Democrat Peter Diamond Stone received a measly 5% of the vote. Sanders retained his progressive voting record, opposing the war in Iraq. In 2002, he beat Republican Bill Mute by a 64-32% margin. Sanders ran for his final House term in 2004 when he beat Republican Greg Park by a 67-24% margin, and Democrat Larry Brown, who received 7% of the vote. Sanders ardently opposed the bailout of big banks in his final term, and opposed the Patriot Act. In 2006, incumbent Senator Jim Jeffords, who was elected as a Republican but had since become an independent who caucuses with Democrats announced he would not be seeking re-election. Sanders ran on the Democratic line to replace him. He was endorsed by New York Senator Chuck Schumer. Sanders won the Democratic primary, but rejected the Democratic line to run as an independent. Nevertheless, no Democrat appeared on the ballot, and Sanders retained the endorsement of the Vermont Democratic Party. He faced Republican businessman Richard Tarrant. I'm Bernie Sanders, and I approve this message because dishonest ads should not be part of Vermont politics. For months, my opponent, Rich Tarrant, has been spending millions telling us about himself. Well, it's his money and he can spend it if he wants, but he has no right to distort my record or what I stand for. I can't match his money ad for ad, but I'll let the truth speak for itself. I trust you to use your good judgment. Please go to my website and check the facts. Thanks for listening.
Sanders beat Tarrant by a 65-32% margin. Sanders announced he would caucus with the Democratic Party, which gave them a narrow 51-49-seat majority in the U.S. Senate at the time. Sanders pushed for banking reform and supported an auditing of the Federal Reserve. Sanders opposed President-elect Barack Obama's nomination of Timothy Jeefner for Treasury Secretary. He, along with fellow Democrats such as West Virginia Senator Robert Burke, Wisconsin Senator Russ Feingold and Iowa Senator Tom Harkin all voted no on Jeefner's nomination, though he was eventually confirmed by the Senate. We don't know what the overall election results for the United States will be tonight. But what we do know is that this is a pivotal moment in American history. In 2012, Sanders ran for re-election against Republican John McGovern, a former Massachusetts state lawmaker. Sanders beat McGovern by a 71-24% margin, the largest victory of his political career. In 2016, Bernie Sanders made a crucial announcement. Hillary Clinton's first official challenger for the Democratic presidential nomination. Sanders announced his candidacy for President of the United States as a Democrat. Initially, Sanders wasn't taken seriously, however, Sanders saw a huge following of younger supporters and saw a huge pouring in of donations. However, he still lacked in the polls in comparison to front-runner, former First Lady, former New York Senator and former U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. Madam Chair, I move that the convention suspend the procedural rules. I move that all votes, all votes cast by delegates be reflected in the official record. And I move that Hillary Clinton be selected as the nominee of the Democratic Party for President of the United States. Sanders received polarized reaction for his positions. Many praised what they viewed as parallels to President Franklin D. Roosevelt who argued for workers' rights and left-wing populism. Others criticized Sanders for his socialist voting record. Sanders won 23 states, but lost the nomination to Clinton. WikiLeaks later leaked classified emails from the Democratic National Committee revealing me-dailing occurred to help Clinton obtain enough delegates to win the Democratic nomination. Sanders endorsed Clinton's campaign for president regardless, but changed his party registration from Democrat back to independent, though he would continue to caucus alongside Democrats. Clinton would eventually lose the general election to Republican New York businessman Donald Trump. Sanders instantly became a staunch critic of Trump and campaigned for left-wing socialist candidates like himself during the 2018 midterm elections. One such candidate was Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who defeated New York Representative Joe Crowley in a Democratic primary upset. This is what organizing looks like. 
Sanders was re-elected yet again to the U.S. Senate in 2018 by a 67-27% margin defeating Republican Lawrence Lupin. Rumors spread that Sanders would run for president again as a Democrat in 2020. In early 2019, he announced he'd do just that. If elected, he would be America's first Jewish president and would be the oldest president at 79 years of age. Polls consistently show him in second behind for former U.S. Vice President and former Delaware Senator Joe Biden. Now, he hopes to be America's 46th president. Welcome to the political revolution. To learn more about every candidate for president, keep it right here on Politics Weekly, and make sure to stay after each episode for Presidential Profiles 2020.